the actual cat comes with the business. So first we're trying to get rid of the cat and then <laughs> you get the business with it. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, oh, happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA Podcast. I'm joined by the boss man all the way from San Diego, California. Lots of banging going on in the background today, boss man. What's going on over there? Yeah, uh, my house and your house. Like this guy's been, yep. <laughs> he's been building this deck for like three weeks. Single-handedly could have finished it in a week. I guarantee it. Today we are talking about protecting our intellectual property and business through copyright, trademarks, and patents. These things can all be expensive and critical. So we're going to talk about how a bootstrapping attitude might differ from a more corporate or startup attitude regarding these issues. And of course, the standard disclaimer, please do not confuse, as I'm sure none of you will, do not confuse our advice with legal advice or necessarily authoritative <laughs> advice. <laughs> or professional advice or any kind of advice you would actually take and trust. No, but we have had a little bit of experience with this stuff, Dan. We've filed for trademarks before. We understand a little bit about patents. I've, I've got a patent binder over here that I've reviewed before. It's actually kind of interesting. It's, I think it's called a file wrapper. Mm, impressive. You can actually order the patent from the patent office. And when they send it to you, it's got like this official seal on it and it's three inches thick. It's it's uh, quite a document and it's $100. Okay. So before we jump into that, boss man, let's talk about some quick news items. First things first, we are going to be selling our cat furniture business. So what? If, yes, I, <laughs> despite your passion for felines, you want to unload moderncatdesigns.com. What's, what's your reasoning behind that, boss man? The real reason is the cat, the actual cat comes with the business. So first we're trying to get rid of the cat and then <laughs> you get the business with it. There's a lot of reasons. So I'll just start by saying this. I think the piece of advice, Dan, that we probably could have listened to a couple years ago was focus more. Yeah. You know, over the years, we've kind of got a bunch of these sticks in the fire and Modern Cat Designs is one of them. And it's it's kind of the outlier in our physical products business. It's the one that relates and shares the least amount of resources with the other companies. So it makes sense for us at this time to sell it to somebody else that can take it to the next level. You know, I've always felt with this property though, Dan, that it, it could have been our biggest opportunity. I mean, it has the most explosive potential. Yeah, in some ways, the marketing approach and the product development approach for a B2C company are completely different. So for like the Valet Spot and Portable Bar Company, we're basically using the same processes to market the companies. Yeah. Whereas when you look at a consumer product, it's completely different how you're going to get attention and customers for that. It's completely different, Dan. And there's efficiencies in the way that we do things like you just pointed out with the Portable Bar Company and the Valet Spot. You know, a lot of our systems are integrated together. With Modern Cat Designs, the only thing that it really shares with our core business is our manufacturing and our warehousing. So basically our fulfillment and our sourcing. And that's just not enough for us to justify going forward with the business. It needs a new home. We'll hopefully be able to find it a good one. Yeah. Uh, so look forward to that on uh, tropicalmba.com. We'll put up a post regarding that sale. Bossman, me and you are going to be in Austin, Texas on the 29th of August. So if you're interested in that, pop me an email, dan at tropicalmba.com. If you have a business, we'll be running a mastermind. And maybe just having a cocktail party as well, boss man. So 
Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. This is the first in a series for us, Dan, and we're going to do this on the U.S. soil. So I'm glad you could come over here for that. The tentative plan for anybody that's thinking about maybe popping into Austin is party that Friday night, mastermind Saturday, and then party that Saturday night. So if you're in or around Austin or you're thinking about popping in, definitely mark that off on your calendar. The 29th of August, I believe, is when it kicks off. Very cool. So let's just jump right into this week's topic, boss man. Let's talk about intellectual property and how we can protect ourselves as entrepreneurs. Ian, this podcast was inspired by listener Frank, who wrote us, and here's what he has to say. I just want to say that I love the show, guys. Seriously, I've been listening to you since 2012, and it amazes me how much value you're able to deliver. I'm now in the process of building my own SaaS business, and I'd like to credit you guys and a lot of other awesome podcasters for helping me make the transition. I'm getting in touch with you because I'm in the very early stages of building the application. The prototype is almost complete, and we're planning on beta testing the product with a couple companies in the next few weeks. Congratulations. The only problem is that my co-founder is obsessed with the idea of patents and insists that we need to spend a bunch of money on attorneys if we want to be a real business. He seriously has it stuck in his head that we're going to screw ourselves over. I'm seeing another red flag in this, by the way. <laughs> There's more at play here than just the patent issue. I mean, if, you're, if your business partner has a bunch of screwball ideas, this worries me considerably because I think software patents are worthless and a significant distraction from our core mission. Given that you guys have been down this path, I'd love to ask what your opinions are. Thanks, Frank. All right, Frank. Well, congratulations on getting to the stage of launch. And we certainly have some opinions and some experiences. So we're just going to share them and hopefully it'll help to guide you a little. Are you ready to jump into this, boss man? Let's do it. All right. So the first point, let's talk about prior art and patents. Our first point here is patents are not a form of protection. They're a form of power. So... I think this is pretty interesting. You know, when you look at corporations and startups, this intellectual property sort of has a value for investors. And you could call that kind of an asset value, right? Because you can transfer that around. You can say, hey, this business owns this, or you're investing in a business that has X patent. And you might see that with a lot of software startups in the Valley and in New York City. Whereas for bootstrapping companies, There's no inherent value for you as the owner in that IP necessarily. It's just an opportunity for you to push other people around. And the real question I think you have to ask yourself if you're a bootstrapper is, do you have the money to push people around? We've come across this quite a few times, Dan, in our physical products business. It's like, and every time we're presented with it, we've made the decision not to patent something. So the opportunity comes up. Right. It's like, hey, this product doesn't exist, or this way of assembling this product doesn't exist. Should we patent it? The question is twofold: is can you afford to patent it? The answer is generally yes, a couple thousand dollars, no problem. Can you afford to defend it? The answer is still generally no. When you look at the cost that it's going to cost you to defend something like that, if somebody comes after you, thousands and thousands of dollars, depending on who's coming after you. If a company with a lot more resources, and this is just one of the problems with the patent system in the United States, and we could go on all day about the other problems, but a lot of times it comes down to a game of who's got more money. If you're up against a huge corporation that decides that they don't care if you have a patent or not, you have to be able to defend your patent. Are you going to be able to afford that? I don't know. Yeah, and having a patent or not having a patent doesn't insulate you from any of this stuff. I mean, 
we have not decided to get a patent on certain things and still been threatened by other people who have a patent sort of in the in the space. And we would have still had to lawyer up in that situation. So you could incur the expense even if you don't patent things. You know what I'm saying? So like you have the patent, you got to go to war. You don't have the patent, you got to go to war. So my kind of idea is, well, most times I would just try to stay out of the war altogether. Yeah, yeah I, I know what situation you're talking about. Like probably five years ago, somebody came at us and said, hey, man, I've got a patent on that. You can't do that anymore. It was like evil good idea, Glenn. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> yeah, and he had a legitimate patent. I spent hours and hours reading through the patent. I found through reading the patent that we weren't in violation, so we continued to do our thing. And you know what? He didn't go after us because my guess is he couldn't afford to go after us. Lo and behold, two years later, he was out of business. So, I mean, scarce resources, guys, when, when you're first starting a business to be able to defend something like this. It's all about the money, man. <laughs> in a lot of cases, it's all about the money and it's a form of power. For us, our motto, whenever you put like an idea of a patent on our desk, like our motto has always been like run faster, yeah. out innovate, run faster than this patent can protect us. Our plan is to like design a product, develop a product and like run faster than everybody else, not sit there and try and defend it. And I think that there are good examples of why a patent can help you and why you should have a patent. I'm not saying it's always a bad idea to never have a patent. But I'm just saying it's worked out for us this way so far. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to give the impression that you should never get a patent. But I think that there's serious flaws in the system. When you look at the rate that China is able to, China and other countries are able to kind of rip off your ideas and you're not able to protect them very well. Let me give you like an example of that. Like Alibaba, Dan, five years from now, there's going to be a lot of products on Alibaba that are direct copies and there probably are right now already. I'm thinking about bike frames because <laughs> I'm thinking about buying a bike frame. Direct copies of patented ideas, trademarked ideas that are for sale and with no protection. You know, It's like you go to attack these guys if you even have the resources and they just move their factory or they just change their name. I mean, there's a million ways to get around this stuff. So... And especially with a software startup, I mean, they can they can make like Keanu in the Matrix, you know, and just sort of warp themselves around your patent while you're in court for six months waiting for the government to say something about it. And I think that's when you think about these small, agile startups, I mean, our business will be completely different in a year from now. So why not just focus on the innovation front? Agreed. 100%. And that's been our strategy. But I just want to make it clear, like, I, I think that there are situations where you need a patent. It's just hasn't been for us at our scale. Okay, so speaking of things that we, at our scale, we do as bootstrappers is we do go after trademarks and trademarks are a lot cheaper to get and they're a lot cheaper to defend. So can you describe what trademarks we own and how that's helped us? Yeah, we have a couple of trademarks. And the reason I'm bullish on trademarks is because key terms are at an all-time high value on the internet. We've had a couple of trademarks. We've got a flash bar trademark. We've got a modern cat condo trademark. Very nice. And we've also got a valet up trademark. The thing about trademarks is you, you can't trademark something that's obvious. So like you couldn't trademark the word cola for example, but you can trademark something like flash bar because it's not a common phrase. It's not a common way of saying something. It's unique. And so the reason we do it again is because key terms are at an all-time premium online. We've had this happen to us several times, Dan, before. The last one I can remember is when someone started calling their valet podium the same thing that we call it. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do most of the time if you don't have a trademark. And again, you know, yes, it does cost money to enforce, but what I've found with trademarks is most of the time when you call somebody out and you point them to your trademark, they will immediately shut down Yeah, because it's just much more simpler than a patent. You know what I mean? A couple questions. Now, remember that thing we used to do when we would just put TM after a word? 
Because there's a difference between putting an R and putting a TM, yeah? I am familiar. I'm a little bit foggy on it. So basically, I think as long as you've filed the trademark, you're allowed to put TM. And then once and if the trademark gets approved, then you can put an R next to it, which means registered trademark. Come attack me in the comments if I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure about that. And this one will be at tropicalmba.com slash IP. Why, Bossman, have we not trademarked Tropical MBA? That's a good question, probably because you've never brought it up before. <laughs> and I'm not thinking about it, but... This is an interesting question, should we? I saw on Michael Hyatt's blog the other day that the National Speakers Association, I think they wanted to call themselves Platform. And Michael Hyatt, you know, runs a business called Platform, a university or whatever. And I think it's kind of interesting, like, does copyright protect you in that respect? Because I copyrighted Tropical MBA, like, in 2009. It was the first time I wrote that. Does that protect me? Or do I need to go out and say, like, hey, this is kind of a big deal now, like, if I lost Tropical MBA and some other blogger trademarked it, would that you know crush us or what? I think it's an interesting thing to put out to the listenership to see what the opinion is of everybody out there. Yeah, you know, at this point, Dan, I would say it's probably a good idea if we're going to stick with the brand. I think Michael Hyatt, and I could be wrong about this, he's going to have a hard time trademarking the word platform. It it depends on the context in which it's used, right? Yeah. So you know, if he's using it in a in a unique way that no one's ever said the word platform before, I think it's possible, but. I think that's probably an uphill battle with the examiner trying to convince them of that. I mean, tropical MBA is like a very unique word. The only reason you would use it is if you were intentionally trying to damage our brand or rip us off. And so, you know, I think there's a pretty good case there to trademark that word. That's a, that's a number three point. So why will ripoff artists almost always lose? I mean, one of the best things that could happen to tropical MBA probably is someone trying to rip it off, right? Is some ripoff artist trying to pose as us? I'm certain that the people that enjoy what we do would rally around us and it would create this kind of outcry situation. And uh, I think that that's what the uh, National Speakers Association was trying to avoid with Michael Hyatt's brand, right? Is, you know, it could be a disaster to be publicly outed as a ripoff artist. And, you know, I think the thing with ripoff artists and, and why it's, it's not worth worrying about is that they're always 10 steps behind. It's not the people that are ripping off your ideas that you need to be worrying about. And I think from a strategic point of view, that's just turned out to be true in our case. It's not the good idea glens that you need to worry about. It's the people that might take, do something very similar, but just be thinking faster and, and more forward than you. Yeah, it's so expensive to build these brands and it takes so long. Ripping off the name and like redirecting the traffic, uh, if you have a similar product, yeah, that can be damaging, I suppose. But that's kind of like a last step. Like if you're just ripping off the name and you don't have any product or service or anything like that behind it, like it's a long uphill battle. Like I I find that like most people, Dan, trajectory, you know, unless they're like really malicious or something like that, or unless they really see a good opportunity to rip somebody off, they're not going to do it. It's too much energy. Maybe they're not going to do it. They're not going to follow through on it. I've seen a lot of people rip people off, but the amount of people that have actually seen follow through on it is fairly low. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just it. Your competition is never who you think they are. It's probably not the person that's so lazy and so unethical that you're just ripping your stuff off. And our final point, Ian, is assume that people are going to steal your stuff. Then the follow-up is to bake protection and defensibility into anything that you create. I mean, this is particularly true if you're creating information products. I mean, people, Christopher Sutton in DC said, your biggest problem you'll be facing is not piracy, it's obscurity. 
copying and stealing, there's an interesting philosophical difference there, by the way. Maybe we shouldn't get into that in this episode, but I do think it's significant that if I take something from you, that's different than if I copy something from you, right? So if I copy your ebook, that's different from going into your warehouse and stealing a valet podium. Yeah, I'd say that that's definitely a topic that would turn into a long podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I recognize the differences there. The important thing here is, though, that your relationship with your clients is the most paramount thing. So how can you bake defensibility into There's this thing that you see in the blogosphere a lot where people will embed a link back to their blog saying, like, this post originally appeared on tropicalmba.com. So if anybody steals your content, like in a sort of a spam kind of way, you get a backlink from that. I think in this day and age, Ian, you're not going to win any battles by expecting people to be on their best behavior. I think looking out there at the way people behave and finding ways to leverage that. So, hey, if everybody's going to pirate your book and nobody wants to buy it on Amazon or whatever, why not have calls to action in that book that bring them somewhere where you can create a deeper relationship with those people that are, that are reading your stuff illegally? And if that's with physical products, I think focusing on the relationship you have with your clients and finding ways that you can differentiate yourself that way. The patent system, I think, is in disarray. The last week, Obama appointed someone that I think a lot of people feel was from the old camp and and not helping with patent reform. And we've been reading about these patent trolls lately and the, the havoc that they're creating in the system. And I think it's a very broken system. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. And so, you know, our job as uh, bootstrappers here is to kind of navigate that, you know, and figure out where we fit into it. And I think what we found in our business is try and outrun them through innovation. Have a little bit of protection where you can, where you can afford it, not only to afford it, but you can also afford to defend it. For us, that's been in trademarks, not so much in patents, but in general, try and outrun it, man. Try and be the most innovative, the most forward pressing. You know, it's interesting to see, Dan, like which brands for us have stood the test of time. Like I think Modern Cat Condo, we're finishing up with that product and we had it for a couple of years, but it's like, it's going to be basically useless once we don't sell that product anymore. So did it serve its need? I'm not really sure. Did anybody try and come out with that product? No. Did someone try and use that name before in their AdWords? Yes, they did. Did we shut them down? Yes. How valuable was that? I don't know. Was it worth $1,000 that we went through for the, for the key term? <laughs> Probably not. So this one's at tropicalmba.com slash IP. We'd love to hear your thoughts. To trademark, to not trademark to patent, to not patent. We'd love to hear your stories. The comment sections are always interested at Tropical MBA. And hey, do you think we should trademark Tropical MBA? I'd be curious to see what people think about that. All right, this week, rap and reviews. Boss man, what do you got for us? DJ Boss. Finally back in the hot seat. Last week was painful. Oh, come man. on. I don't know. You know you bow down. Bow down when I bow you come down. to my town. I bow down. <laughs> All right, man, I got it. <laughs> What a funny song. I got an old obscure one this week. I don't know if this guy's even still rapping anymore, but I liked him back in the day. I still think his rhymes are pretty hot. This is Black Alicious with Deception. Don't let money change Siggy writes us, When I first joined the DC, I already knew about the killer content inside the forum. But when I logged in, I was literally blown away by the sheer amount of crazy value bombs relating to most aspects of business. It's the type of stuff you normally pay thousands to get, but the best part isn't the content, it's the people and the whole mindset of the group. Since I joined DC, I met and connected with so many awesome entrepreneurs and business owners who have the same mindset, something that I haven't found in my local community. And the meetups are absolutely a bombshell in there every month. 
I would call the group a worldwide business network. No matter where you are in the world, you'll find a DCer to meet up with. Just check out the location map. That's right. There's a thousand people in there. Thousand entrepreneurs, boss man. If you are not serious about business, this is not the right group for you. Do not join. But if you are, we'd definitely request that you get an invite. You won't regret it. I personally guarantee it. Siggy. You remember Siggy, right? The computer security expert. Oh, yeah, man. I'm always scared at the conference. That guy's going to hack into my laptop, man. <laughs> I'm just like, whatever. Just keep Siggy happy, man. I don't, I don't want this information floating around. From iTunes, five stars, a must for beginners and advanced entrepreneurs alike from Ricardo. Just started listening recently, but really been diving into all the content. These guys walk to walk and provide relevant, useful, honest content. Unlike any other podcast out there, unlike any other podcast, I like that. Incredible. Sometimes you won't hear what you want to hear, maybe like today, <laughs> if you know something more about patents and trademarks than we do. Oftentimes it will smack you in the face, but these guys tell you how it is. That's right. Check out their website too, even for more awesome content. And this episode is at Tropical MBA forward slash IP. IP. Dan, I just want to say one more thing. This week and every month on the third Thursday of the month, we have our DC Juntos. That's correct. Primarily DCers attending those because that's where they get organized is inside of the DC. But we do like to invite outsiders of the DC. And at the last one, I had a couple guys and actually a gal come too from outside of the DC. So long story short, this week I am again at the Station Tavern in South Park. You remember that place, Dan? I don't. I think I was drunk. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so come out for our DC Junto if you're in San Diego. It's at the Station Tavern, 7 p.m. Thursday, which is the day that this podcast is coming out. Wow, very cool, boss man. Thanks for that uh, insider invite there. Again, tropicalmba.com slash IP. We'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.